From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I am Richard Serrett. Albert is here, of course, story producer. And Sebastian is uh, operating the audio board. Tim Spreen taking a rare night off. Have little guys in tow as well. They're camping out here tonight in Liberty Village at our flagship station. Uh, Zachary is uh, in the boardroom watching, I believe he's watching Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And North is in master control, learning how to run an audio board. And he just is giving me the thumbs up there through the glass. He should be in bed. A parent of the year award, right? Oh, well, no matter. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your RV, your taxi cab, your camper, your long-haul truck. Uh, Speaking of which, a uh, special hello to Trucker Jeff who emails, Hi, Richard. Just wanted to say that I'm a long-distance trucker in Europe who really enjoys listening to your shows by podcast when I'm on the road. I'm in Quebec on vacation right now and looking forward to hearing your show go out live while I'm in the same time zone. Thanks for everything you do and for selecting the guests you need to be who need to be heard. Well, thank you, Trucker Jeff, and enjoy your stay in Quebec. Uh, lots of people listening to The Conspiracy Show via the uh, the podcast, which is available through, uh, once again, zoomerradio.ca, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkZone.com, and uh, now The Conspiracy Show app. Uh, just wanted to wish our American listeners, again, a belated happy July 4th. Uh, wanted to let you know your neighbors to the north are thinking about you. And, uh, of course, to all the people of Greece who are about to uh, embark on, well, quite frankly, a treacherous odyssey. Uh, let's hope this odyssey doesn't take 10 years. Uh, for those of, of you who uh, know your Greek mythology, a beautiful country, beautiful people, hardworking people. Uh, did you know that uh, the average Greek worker works more hours during the week than the average German workers? Yes, that's true. The Greek, the Greek uh, people are suffering. Uh, and Germany, also a great country, would be wise to remember how their debts were forgiven by their enemies after the war, despite the horrible carnage caused by Hitler and his murderous Nazi regime. Uh, I mentioned a little while ago that the number one debt transgressor of the 20th century was Germany. They were insolvent three times in the 20th century. Uh, And then in 1953, about 20 countries, many of them (laughs) were invaded by Germany, uh, forgave much of their debt. So I think turnabout is fair play in this instance. Anyway, um, my prayers go out to Greece right now. Uh, my eight-year-old, I just mentioned North in the control room there, was watching the results of the uh, the referendum earlier today, and he said to his mom, the mighty Aphrodite, he said, Mama, if Europe kicks Greece out of Europe, where will they go? Asia? I just thought that was the sweetest thing. But actually, you know, he's not too far from the truth. It's possible Greece may pivot east. We sh- hey, did you hear about this poor soul in uh, Berlin? He was working at a Volkswagen plant there, and he was killed by a robot. That's a true headline. The man died back on uh, June 29th at a uh, plant in, um, well, it's about 100 kilometers north of Frankfurt, Germany, the VW plant. And um, he was uh, just—he's just 22, part of a team that was setting up a stationary robot when it grabbed him and crushed him against a metal plate. Now VW is blaming human error, saying that that was uh, the cause rather than a problem with the robot. 
I wonder. We'll have to wait and see about that. I'm just thinking, is this how the robot apocalypse begins? All right. Uh, next week on the program, just want to mention once again that uh, John Potash will be here, the author of Drugs as Weapons Against Us, the CIA's murderous targeting of Hendricks, Lennon, Cobain, Tupac, and other activists. That'll be a good one. Uh, also joining us, paranormal investigator Rosemary Ellen Guiley and our media scientist friend Nelson Thaw will be here. That's all part of next week's program. It's been quite a while since Nelson was with us. Good to have him back. Uh, if you're a regular listener to this program, uh, you'll know that I have railed repeatedly against Parker Brothers uh, for selling Ouija boards in toy stores. Uh, I don't think Ouija boards should be sold in toy stores. They're not toys, I don't believe. I don't think they should be trifled with. Uh, if someone is going to use them, they should know what they're doing. Uh, but I don't believe that children should be playing around with these things. I do believe in an unseen world, and I say that unapologetically. I believe in a spirit world. Having said that, uh, I mean, spirit communication is is a fascinating arena, albeit controversial, and it's not something that I personally uh, am involved with. But I, I do respect people that, uh, that do engage in spirit communication. And, of course, we have uh, many people on this program who are involved in spirit communication. And my next guest, has, uh, speaking of Greece's odyssey, she's been on quite an odyssey herself for 40 years spent communicating with what she refers to as her spirit friends from the great beyond. And uh, she's here to share some of what she calls the unfair misconceptions Ouija has received over the years, from its fall from grace of the parlor rooms of yesteryear to the forgotten dark corners of today's closets. She's here to provide the how-tos, the don'ts, the warnings, the recommendations, and identify various entities with whom she's communicated. Let me hold the book up here again to the uh, webcam. The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communications. Karen A. Dolman holds a master's degree from the University of New Mexico and is specialized in art, psychotherapy, hypnosis, and past life regression work. After spending her formative years living all over the United States, she made Southern California her home in 1999. Although she maintains her counseling licenses, she hung up her therapy shingle and entered the high-tech industry of telecommunications and founded CVC Inc., a consulting and utility design firm for the Fortune 500 wireless carriers, now in its 15th year of operation. With, within paranormal and metaphysical circles, Karen is known as a leading expert Ouija-ologist. Since 1973, Karen has been directly communicating with her spirit friends via the Ouija board while receiving consistently profound and relevant messages from the varying consciousness, consciousnesses and sentient beings with whom she maintains relationships. She's the author of her most recent book, The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. Let me hold up her other uh, book as well, The Spirit of Alchemy, Secret Teachings of the Sacred Reunion. Karen A. Dolman, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard. Thanks for having me. Good morning to you. Good morning, and my pleasure to have you. Now we talk. Uh, we'll we'll, um, we'll get you to, to weigh in on some of the misconceptions, and perhaps I've been I'm guilty of spreading a few of those. Uh, I, and I always lay my cards on the table. I'm a, my faith tradition warns against uh, conjuring um, spirits. So, is that 
Is that what Ouija, Ouija boards are, are doing? Is that, is that the actual act of conjuring spirits? Or, I mean, is this, is, is this something that I, um, am misinformed about? I think conjuring is a word I don't prefer to use. Uh, there's semantics involved here. I use right. the word evoking or calling upon. Okay. So I think conjuring is like forcing something to come up out of, you know, nowhere. But yeah, people use the word conjuring. It's not incorrect. It's just the word I, try to stay away from because I don't feel like I'm forcing any spirit to come talk to me or, right. or, or making this happen. It just, it just happens for me very okay. well. Too, okay. And, and um, so you began um, communicating with spirits using the Ouija board in 1973. How old were you? If, correct. I, I shouldn't be asking I, this, but I mean, I, I, you're never supposed to ask. I, but. Uh, it's okay. I, I, everybody knows I was eight. <laughs> I was eight then. Okay. So I was one of those children that used the board, and, and I got it as a gift from Santa Claus at Christmas time. Right. And, and and what do you think of? I mean, my 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 view is that, that that these shouldn't be sold in toy stores. These are not something to be trifled with. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they're not toys. Uh, yeah. by, by no means are they. Um, you know, but they're sold in toys. As you said, like Toys R Us. Um, you can also buy them easily on Amazon, eBay, all over the internet. Um, they're not a toy, and I'm the first to tell you that they're not something to be messed with or dabbled with. It's um, and, and you know, I, I, listen. I was a kid that was given. It was given to me. And I look back on that now, and I was very fortunate uh, with my work using this tool that I immediately fell into the hands of some really positive spirits that I was communicating with. But that's probably because of my sensitivities in able to feel and uh, experience visitations, et cetera, kinds of energy. So I wasn't ever afraid of that. And not being afraid has made the world a difference for me while using this tool. Well, how do you... Uh how do you protect yourself? I know there's a sort of an opening um, protection prayer that you mentioned in the book. Walk me through that. Yeah, well, I always tell people, um, you really, okay, number one, you really should have a spiritual practice in place. And this means a way that you already work with energies within yourself, meaning you either meditate regularly like your, uh, your other guest was talking about. I, too, am a regular meditator. It allows you to get into your own light being, into your own center, I call it, or your consciousness. So you're aware of of your center of your being. So that's the number one thing. And then when you start working with this tool, as with any divination tool, Richard, it's important that there's an opening and there's a, a way you go about it and there's a closing to, I call it a circle. So I always, when I start doing this tool, I, I get into a meditative state, I do a breathing exercise, and of course it's in the book verbatim. And I use that exercise to get myself relaxed, centered, and my partner does too. And then we do a, usually a prayer, uh, incantation, in, invocation, but it's a prayer basically that says we're working with the energies of the highest light, highest good, white light, and we both visualize that around us, around the board, and the home, and the people that are there. And then from that space, we open it up, not to anybody, we open it up to our regular guides we communicate with, I, you might call those the bouncers, it's the ones on the other side who we've really come to know over the years. And again, I'm actually using it, been using it for 42 years now. And some of these guys I've been talking to since like 1989 and 1994. A lot of them I'm still in communication with. So we've had a very long and lasting relationship in terms of the spirit work. So then I invite them in and they come in immediately, um, give their messages. And it's always very respectful environment. I'm very respectful to them coming through and very respectful to people in the room, and they're very respectful to us, too. It's, respect is a key word here, and what you give out is what you're going to get back. You know, if I treat somebody respectful, most likely they're going to, you know, return that in favor, and, and the energies on that end work the same. 
And when you, your, your previous guest was talking about the vibrations right. and how when you're of a good higher caliber, you're going to tend to be more positive in life. And as you know, Richard, if you're in a more positive life, you tend to go about, as your guest said, feeling really good about yourself and things. So, so if you, you if that you, energy, if so you that take, energy tracks back to you. If you take this approach and you say this protective prayer, you're you're increasing the odds that you're only going to uh, contact sort of highly high, highly evolved uh, entities. Is Not necessarily. No. Everybody pretty much starts out in the dead zone, I call it. Everybody ta- starts with the easier earthbound spirits, which is not the highly evolved ones. They're the ones that are stuck in their personality, they just passed over, or they've been dead for a while and they're not moving on quite yet. Those are the easiest energies to contact first, and those are the ones that probably everybody is mostly afraid of, and they think that's as far as you go. And I've traversed through a lot of those realms, and I'm into these other other planes of existence and ethereal beings who aren't are way beyond the astral lower astral zones. Okay, we'll uh, take a time out. Karen A. Dolman, The Spirits of Ouija, four decades of communication. Back with more on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Karen A. Dolman is with us, and the uh, book is The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. Now, um, you started back in 1973. Uh, can, tell me about the, the, the first uh, spirit communication you had using Ouija. Um, yeah, well, hey, what happened was I had some friends who lived down the street from me, two little girls, and they were sisters. And they invited me to their house, and they said, let's play some board games. And, you know, board games were popular back in the 70s. And I thought we were going to play Candyland or Monopoly or something like that or pick up sticks. I don't know. And they pulled out the Ouija board. Now, I had not really, I really didn't know what they were. I think I might have heard the word, but I didn't even know what it looked like. I thought that sounded like the dumbest, stupidest thing I think I've ever heard that you can use a board like that and communicate with something. And so they pulled it out and said, watch. I, said, I, I was curious. So they started talking and they played around a little bit. And I thought, you guys have got to be pushing this. They said, no, Karen, you've got to try this. So I put my hands in the planchette. I, I wasn't going to push it. They said they weren't, and it flew across the board. And next thing I know, this, it's spelling out, and it, they told me that was their sister who had died. Uh, and I said, what? <laughs> I didn't know you had even had a dead sister. It turned out one of the girls was a twin at birth, and her twin died shortly after birth. And unbeknownst to her parents, they were in their rooms, you know, here and there, using the board since they've had it for a few years, communicating with their dead sister. And they kind of kept it quiet, but I was just amazed that you could actually communicate with the dead. Now, you are a good Catholic girl. You are a good Catholic girl. Did you have any reservations at all when this is happening? You know, I laugh. I'll tell you why I laugh, because it sounds so weird. It sounds like such just a dichotomy. And it truly, it kind of is, but not, because Catholics... At least how I was raised, and I was raised really traditional. Um, we, we did catechism, communion, confirmation, acts of attrition. We had crosses, crucifixes in a room. We did the rosary beats, everything. Went to church regularly, CCD, blah, blah, blah. All of that. And it was a fabulous uh, you know, place to be, to be raised. But, you know, what's interesting about that is they believe, and some of the sects believe, in talking in tongues as well as angels. They believe in guardian angels. Right. So, uh, you know, and they believe that, you know, that the people who speak in tongues are speaking with the Spirit, uh, and they believe in the Holy Ghost and, you know, all that stuff. And I thought, well, this is right along with religion. It, it can't be the opposite. 
my parents really thought the whole thing was a game. They didn't think I was really talking it to dead people, or let alone the sister down the street who had a dead sister. So it, it, my parents, they weren't really, uh, you know, noticing what I was doing, but I was talking to, to spirits, dead people, uh, quite a bit. And to me, it just fit right along with my faith, and in fact, made my faith stronger in the fact of God and the afterlife and heaven and hell and all these other experiences that people say they have that I heard about in the Bible and in CCD classes. Right. One thing that always has confused me about sort of the prohibition against, you know, uh, conjuring, or is that word again, uh, is that mm-hmm. uh, I'm an Orthodox Christian, a Greek Orthodox Christian, uh, and, and we, there is a long tradition, uh, as well as in Catholicism, of communing with the saints. Well, saints are... You know the, the departed souls. They are so. I mean, what is that all about? If not almost a conjuring of uh, uh, of, of spirit. Um, and but, but then at at a certain point, you started to be to, to have sort of regular communication with the same entities. Um, when did that start? And and who were these? How did they identify themselves? Well, I I used it only up to it was probably about eighty. When I, it was about 13 years later when I met one of my first um, entities that stuck around for a while. And it was a deceased person who was earthbound, but not negative. She was very positive. She was a person who had died uh, during the Civil War time, and, and she was a slave. Her name was Wilma Jean, and I write about all about her in that, that book you held up, The Spirits of Ouija. She was a very critical piece to my whole um, growth with this tool. And I'm going to say growth because using this tool has really helped me uh, develop some psychic abilities as well as um, look at the depths and dimensions in which of the unseen forces that we really can't, we don't really understand. And it took me into a lot of um, places that uh, really are mind expanding and, and heart growing. So she was one of my first, and, and I spoke with her for 15 years. And she immediately showed up as a helper, or I call it my bouncer in my books, or my gatekeeper. These are the souls that will help you when you're doing this tool that can help keep it the, the opening, the, the portal, whatever you want to call it, the doorway, the threshold, safe for you. And they help you. And so she identified herself by her name. She was in the wings waiting till I, I did the board with um, one of my brothers who's very uh, good at using the board with me. And she stepped forward and told me she's been watching us and noticed that, that some characters that weren't of the highest light had been coming through and really wanted to help us. Now, this is what I learned about using this tool. Don't take everything you get off this tool at face value. No, there are tricksters out there, right? There are tricksters. That's right. And the tricksters are those that are still stuck, that are earthbound, and the ones that that really, you know, they're they're still stuck in their personalities. They're going to play games and all kinds of stuff. They might have negative personalities even when they're dead because if they're mean and nasty while alive, they're most likely still, you know, attached to that same kind of personality. So she came through and really started giving me the ins and outs of what goes on on the other side. And I started learning a lot about that. Now, I was in college at the time. So she came through loud and clear and loud and strong, and we really got some great connections from her. Yet I wasn't trusting everything about it. I was still exploring this tool, not quite sure, until I met some other characters that started coming through. And then you could, as you start to progress along this, you can realize uh, which spirits you're communicating with actually have credence. And they're solid in their communications. And so it was, you know, I, like I said, Wilma was with me for 15 years, and finally it was time for her to move into the light. She knew that. She was there to help me, and she moved into the light and then entered a bunch of ethereal and angelic beings. But she took me through all the layers of the astral zone as I met these different characters and, 
and deceased, and then started working my way into other other levels. And did did, um, did she indicate, or have you ever learned from either uh, Wilma or others how it is they receive this communication on on the other side, on the other side of the veil? Uh, because you know, on this side, of course, we have this divination tool. What are they seeing on the other side? I mean, how do they? How do they know that someone's trying to reach out to them? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that because this is, this, is, this is critical. This is why I say it's so important you raise your own vibration. And so I do it through meditation, contemplation, journaling, dream recall, all kinds of altered states and, and all kinds of breathing techniques because you want to raise your vibration. What they told me is they see a light, a light that is created by the uh, interaction the, the circuitry between you and your partner using the board. And there, if they're roaming around, they may be in some darkness, they may be in some light themselves, but they see this light and they come to it and that's how they know there's some kind of opening you've created. And so your vibrational quality, your vibrational um, centeredness within yourself is what's going to take you to the other levels. And that's what you're going to track. You're going to track like attracts like. And you're going to track that same kind of vibration. So they, this is what they tell me. And they tell me is now in more advanced teachings, because my work with the board has gone into talking to interdimensional beings, multidimensional beings, and so forth. They, they're in many different levels uh, of the ethereal realms, if you want to call it that. What they said is this. They said, we are vibration. You are vibration. Flowers are vibration. But the only thing that separates us is the rate of that vibration, which is the frequency. So by raising your frequency, your vibration to a higher rate, you connect with us, and we have to step ours into a level that reaches yours. So it's kind of like you've got this frequency going on out there, and whatever that frequency is vibrating at, that's what you're going to attract to you. Now, can you can you select or can you request uh, to, to communicate with a particular spirit? Let's say, for example, Karen, you wanted to speak with your great-great-grandmother. Would you be able to do that at this point? You know, um, this is what I, this is what I've learned about the other side. They may come through and they may not. And it's and the people who are deceased. I mean, we're talking about now people now that are deceased spirits, souls. We're not talking about ethereal beings or light beings who've never been born. They're discarnate spirits. We're talking about we're talking about spirits that were incarnate at one time. You can call and reach out to them, but there's a few reasons why I find they may come through or they may not. They come through if they have a message and there's part of this healing they agreed to do with you from the other side. They, they may not come through if they had maybe, for example, a really a tough uh, dying process or a shock. They may need extra time to heal and to just get their, get their awareness back. Or three, they may not come back at all because they're, they're working on themselves, they're evolving, and they're in a classroom, if you will, or maybe have reincarnated. So I have been able to speak to quite a few of my relatives, um, and there's quite a few I've called upon who cannot come through. And then I've had dear friends who have passed on who can't come through, and then some of them can. It's really, it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee you're going to dial them up, they're going to come through, um, or get your frequency to match theirs. But they'll come through if there's some kind of soul contract or some reason that's, ne- that's necessitating this. It has to be a purpose for that when they're on the other side. There's, there's a little more understanding, and they're more back in the light. In fact, Richard, they tell me, when they pass over, we call it death. They say, no, we've actually just started our new life. And there's so much more that we're still evolving and learning to. And that may interfere with the reason to come back and communicate. 
they used to call the Ouija boards talking boards and so forth. How many different uh, different uh, Ouija boards do you have? Are there some that are more effective than others? Does it matter? I mean, can you just use a you know a, a Dixie cup on top of a uh, you know make a makeshift board? You can. In fact, I've done that many times. Um, if I wanted to, to communicate with the spirits and I didn't have a board available, I would take a paper sack or cardboard, write out the letters and numbers, and throw over an old double old-fashioned or a Pyrex glass dish uh, on top of it, and away it would go. You don't need a, a, a Ouija board. I have one back here from the 20s. You don't need that. You, um, it, it, you know, and there's the, okay, the name is Ouija is the one that's patented. Then you have all kinds of talking and spirit boards and communication devices. Um, if people go to my website, you can look at some of our gallery photos that we have of people with their boards. People, people create their own boards all the time and use all kinds of different apparatus as the planchette to move across the board to spell. So you, you're not stuck to using just Parker, or excuse me, Hasbro's, they bought Parker Brothers, Ouija board, but you can use all kinds of, of different devices that you create yourself. It's, it's, in fact, I have 13 boards myself. Um, tw- 11 of those are Ouija boards and two are just talking boards. Um, I like collecting the old Ouija boards, my oldest ones in 1902. Ouija was first patented and came out in 1890, but patented in 90, 1891. So I've got a really old board. And I think, to me, they're, they're, I like them because they're our work. They're historical. They're collector's items. But um, and then some of the talking boards are just incredibly beautiful. So people, a lot of people collect them and don't even use them because they're, they're beautiful pieces of artwork, actually. Uh, and I, I believe that um, a spirit board or a talking board uh, was very popular in the Lincoln White House. Mary Todd Lincoln was uh, fascinated by uh, these, and they would hold late night sessions. That's correct. They would do seances. That's exactly correct. President Grover received a witch board, they were called, and this is back in 1898 when he got married uh, to his, one of his wives. <laughs> he received it at the, at the, president's, at the, pres- at the office <laughs> for his wedding gift. So, so they've been around for a long time. It came out of the spiritualist movement, which happened in the United States by 1848. By the way, um, Canada was a big uh, creator of these boards, too. They had a uh, 10-year license um, from the United States in 1891, and that ran for 10 years. And then they started making them on their own and held their own license. So Canada has a big uh, history steeped in creating Ouija boards, too. Hmm. All right, and and Lilydale, which was uh, sort of a, one of the mm-hmm. seats of the spiritualist movement in the U.S., is not too far from where I'm sitting down in uh, in New York State. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that Lilydale is a great spiritualist community. And there's a, there's Casa Dega is another one in Florida. There's one out here. I'm in California in San Diego. There's quite a few sp- speckled sprinkled around the United States and and elsewhere. But um, yeah, those those are fascinating. Uh, villages because people there do they, this, this is what they they are they're a big large movement of spiritualists who live there and they do they do a lot of communicating with the other side karen what would you say is the uh the biggest i'll ask this now and we'll answer it on the other side of the break we're heading into but what is the biggest misconception about spirit boards or talking boards or witch boards or ouija boards we'll uh, discuss that on the other side figuratively Karen A. Dolman is uh, with us, and we will continue this conversation when The Conspiracy Show returns right after this. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Karen A. Dahlman is with us, uh, the author of The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication, Dispelling Some of the Myths, Misconceptions about uh, the Ouija Board. And um, uh, what would you say is uh, perhaps uh, the biggest, or give me a couple of the biggest misconceptions. Well, um, I think the, the two big ones is that, well, number one is scientific community, how they look at it, and they see it all as just attributed to the idiomotor effect. And this means when the subtle influences of your brain or your brain influences subtle movements of your body, your motor skills. So they believe that you can, the planchette moves. And the planchette, people don't know, is like a mouse. <laughs> it's the little device that sits on the planchette, or excuse me, the board and moves around. So science says that, and um, I think there, there's something to that, but I think that's also lim- it's limiting. The other one is what uh, a lot of the religions say is that it's demonic and you should not be speaking to spirits unless you are of the holy of the cloth or you've been trained. And you guys alluded to that actually with the other guest. And those are two huge uh, misconceptions to say it's, it's either or, or or all of that. Because I, I, I'm going to say there's so much more to it, and unless we're willing to um, try the tool, look at it further, and explore it with some of these people who have been using it forever, and I'm one of them, but I know a lot of people like myself who've used it for many years with incredible results that have done nothing but improved and made their life more positive in many ways because it helped them grow spiritually. So that's another misconception, thinking that when you use this tool, all you do is speak to the dead with it and that you, there's nothing else involved. I've learned to use it as a, as a very incredible uh, therapeutic tool. tool. I'm going to say that tongue-in-cheek. It's not therapy, but a, a tool that helps you really look at yourself. In fact, I'm at a place with the work with the spirits that, that's, the, that's my third book that you held up a little bit earlier, where it's all about really learning who you are within and your connection as a divine being back to the cosmos. Back to all, there it is, the spirit of alchemy, back to all that you are. So what they do instead of telling us stuff, they ask us questions. They'll bring up like a round table discussion and they will ask us questions as something, a, a topic at the table and we're supposed to discuss it and then they will add some input to it and it's all of us communicating. So you could take this tool into many different realms of learning, um, of using it as a tool to learn about all kinds of levels of consciousness. And I think uh, the misconception that it's just a game is really stupid. <laughs> There's, it, it just downplays it. There's so much more to this tool. And as you said, and you opened it, it is not a toy. Um, Thomas Edison, it has long been rumored that um, towards the end of his life, he was working on a device that could communicate with the other side. Some call it a telephone, uh, you know, uh, for the dead, uh, you have something, uh, the 1-800-WEJA-4-U, you describe as a wireless cosmic phone. Uh, what is it exactly? How does it work? You know, I call it that. As you said, I'm also in the wireless industry, and I help design and build cell towers. So I know a lot about how that works with radio frequency and microwave and, and all, all the connectivity of that. Um, what I want to say is I... I it's a, it's a play upon words, actually. But what I mean by that is, by, by your frequency, your, again, your vibration, your rate of your vibration is your frequency. It's going to attract certain energies to it. So it's like you're on this um, cosmic frequency, and it becomes a phone where you reach different frequencies. You dial up different bandwidths, if you will, kind of like how mobile phones and the cell towers work. They're on different frequencies. They're on different bandwidths. They, they buy at auction what what. Uh, frequency they can be on for their communication. So that's what we do. We, we work with our vibration internally, 
and then that allows you to reach other levels of vibration. So that's how you dial up, if you will, or call in or conjure, if you want to use that word. I, I probably say more like evoke or call upon those energies. It's, it's, the working, it's by working through your own energy first, then you start reaching these other energies. And so that is why I call it the cosmic phone, because t- technically, really, literally, I've been able to dial up all kinds of different consciousness and get some very incredible information um, that is it, it basically mind-blowing. And it's taken me into some very deep levels spiritually as well. Um, ethereal, uh, we'll, we'll discuss this. I hear that music, I think, coming up now. But uh, again, we'll start the discussion and we'll continue it on after the break. But ethereal uh, uh, bodies or entities that you've communicated with. First of all, what do we mean by an ethereal uh, body? Well, it's kind of a catch-all. Really what it is, they'd like to be called multi- multi-dimensional beings or interdimensional beings. They're actually on a, a vibration, just a different vibration we can't see. It kind of goes back to how quantum physics talks about we're all vibrating particles and it's really um, the rate of vibration, vibration that makes us into look solid to ourselves and our world becomes solid. We're there at such a different vibration we can't even see them. They're right here with us actually in another dimension. And so I just call those ethereal beings to make it easy to understand the different levels. If you will, I like to always use like a ripple in a pond. You throw a rock and it ripples out. And instead of seeing it as a hierarchy, up and down, good or bad, see that expansion of awareness and expansion of your energy and vibration. They're like way out here in the far areas of the circle. We're probably more like in here. And as you raise your energy, you can start reaching into these other realms. And they have to come back down to reach into you. And in these other realms are all kinds of energies and conscious sentient beings. And so I just call that all ethereal. You might get angels. People call them angels. You might get guardians. You might get what people call ETs. You might get um, more of these light beings that I, I, that I communicate with. Um, you, and further in, where, where we are, the human being here, further in is more like the deceased souls that are deceased souls that are more earthbound and maybe have moved on when they move on they go back into the, to the light awareness and then from there they're going to evolve into their next state of evolution all right so okay, it's really take a... like ripples further out got it all right karen stay up what we will uh reconnoiter back on the other side here the conspiracy show talking ouija boards stay with us Afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Karen A. Dolman stays with us. And once again, the book is The Spirits of Ouija, The Four Decades of Communication. Uh, let me get your uh, a quick take from you on uh, this Charlie Charlie. Um, the use of a, a pencil. A lot of school kids are involved in this. Um, again, I, you know, card, all cards on the table. I find it a little disturbing because I don't, again, think. Um, uh, school-aged children should be messing around in this uh, area. Uh, but uh, the, the Charlie Charlie Challenge, your, your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Oh, very familiar with it. Yeah, um, okay, so, you know, they believe it's actually was, was created just for the release of the movie The Gallows. So that's what they're kind of tracing it to now and believing that it was, just, it was all created for that. Yet when you give something to kids, of this nature, and you tell them, you don't want to do this, it's scary, something's going to happen, and it kind of plays upon that mystical, magical thinking of 
oh my gosh, let's scare ourselves and it's fun to get adrenaline rush and I shouldn't be doing this. And so what it does, it becomes like a projection for your own unconsciousness to, to say, okay, something's happening here. Because inevitably, if you balance two pencils and, and everybody can try it on each other and you write the yes, no, like, like they do and they show it on YouTube, it's, it's, to me it's stupid. But anyway, it will, it will inevitably move. And not every time, but most likely your balance will be off. So it's going to move. And because of that, lack of being able to really get a good balance, it, people say they run with it. It becomes a mass hysteria of believing that it's happening. And to me, it's nothing more than what we had back in the 70s. You probably recall when the, people called it Bloody Mary. Yes, yes. You would look in the mirror, right? Right, right. <laughs> okay, just to scare ourselves. So this is, you know, so here is a, is a movie that they created this and put it all over the Internet, YouTube, et cetera, social media, and kids ran with it and, and then told all these tales of it, of, of it really working and happening. And this is the same hype and the mass hysteria we see behind the Ouija board. I don't buy into all of this evil, demonic stuff people are saying that's happening. I think what it is, it becomes a figment of their imagination as well as a collection of energy, like archetypal energies they constellate to them because of their own stuff inside that, that is fear. Their fear is going to attract more fear. So this game, too, is nothing but a place to breed fear. Uh, but, I mean, you wouldn't entirely discount the, the potential for danger. Uh, I mean, if there are... You know these enlightened ethereal uh, beings out there. Then uh, again, I believe in the unseen world, the spirit world, but and I also believe in in demonic entities. I mean, can can they make use of this board? And is there any danger if you're not properly uh, prepared, if you don't use the protection prayer and so forth, that you could invite some of these demonic entities into your world? Boy, we really need to talk about my second book, and I know we don't have time, five minutes to tell you my, about my second book, but, but I, talk, I get into that. I get into the whole thing of this nature of evil and what that truly is. I believe in the dualism of energies and that they're both on a continuum, and it's where you put your, your focus, and that's the energy you're going to get. Do I believe in evil? I believe in evil behaviors and evil energy, but not an evil demonic force that's a, a literal person. But I do believe there's negative energies out there, and we will attract that to us if we are messing with this tool and we're playing around, using libations, uh, joking. Uh, it's a, a game manner, trying to get adrenaline rush, all those things that don't go along with using this divination tool. That's what it is. It's a divination tool, and it's not a game. So, yeah, I, people just need to be careful with it. I, I agree because, again, it becomes a place to project all of our fears. Anything that happens while we're using the Ouija board and we're fearful, oh, my God, I heard a sound. All of a sudden that becomes, uh, a, you know, a ghost, a demon. It's all these things we start attributing to uh, the board because we're not looking at all the old stuff that we're drawing to us and our own fears within. So, yeah, this is not a, this is not a, a game for people that, that, are, that are messing around with it. I, I definitely don't recommend that because I think there's some error. There's some, some issues that come up with that. I've seen people get obsessed with it and have some negative stuff. And so I'd say, you know, use it if you're going to use it in a very uh, different manner and use it as a respectful manner for what it really can be used for and how it was used when it first came out in the 1890s. Uh, what about, uh, I mean, you, you talk about communicating with the spirits of, of, of dead pets. Yes. How does that work? 
Well, okay, so uh, listen, this is going to sound really strange, Richard, but it's not just dead pets. You're in the right place. That's what we discuss on (laughs) Animals that are alive, too. You could speak to any conscious beings, and I speak to my higher self all the time. In fact, I've reached out to other people's higher self because they gave me permission to talk to their higher self and get some direct answers for them, things I would never even know. They're like, how do you know that? I go, I don't know it. Your higher self spoke this. But animals too, um, it's very, it's a whole other energy and the other beings on the other side, the angels and some of the light beings become the interpreter. They interpret the animal's feeling in response to my questions and bring it back into words. So you have like a, a moderator, if you will, um, like almost like sign language linguistic person standing there who can interpret those feelings and those thoughts the animals are having and put it into words so I understand it. It took a while to get there. My first animal communication was in 1994. And, and since then, I've been doing a lot of animal communication. Now, when you're using a, the Ouija board, are you transcribing as you go, or do you do it from memory, these communications? Everything is, is written down. I've been writing copious notes since 1989. I write down every single session. I have one hand, Richard, on the planchette, and I'm a right-hander, so I write with my right hand while this hand's moving the planchette. And I also now tape record everything, because I think it's important to have that to go back and look at what the messages were. Um, and sometimes I'll transcribe them if it's such an important message. On my website, I'm starting to share some of these messages, and a lot of this, everything I write, all my books, were written, by the way, with the help of my spirit friends. And this last book I wrote, The Spirit of Alchemy, which was definitely a big download of channeled information. And so I'm getting to a point where I'm going to start cha- sharing some of these messages they give so people can, you know, use their own judgment and see what they think about this information. But, oh, yeah, we- I keep copious notes, and I keep everything recorded now on, on video, on, excuse me, on tape recorder. Uh, and we've, we've uh, linked up to your website at uh, richardserrett.com. People can just click on your name, but uh, give us the website as well. Sure, it's Karen A. Dahlman, D-A-H-L-M-A-N.com, or creativevisionspublications.com. Both go to the same place, and you can find me there. And by the way, since you're in Canada, I, I, all my books are on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. Uh, I do ship to Canada as well if you want an autographed copy. It just costs a little bit more. So I always recommend going to Amazon.com for your um, Canadian listeners, Excellent. for your group. Okay. Now, during these communications, how quickly is the planchet moving around the board at this point for you? I mean, is it a slow uh, kind of process, you know, one letter at a time, they're, 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 they're communicating with you. Or is that thing moving around quickly? For me, it's moving around quite quickly. I've seen some people where it moves this fast. For me, it's about like this, um, A, D, Q, P, N, A, B. Right. And then I write it down. So for them, they say, Karen, this is such a hard way for us to work because as we, we give information and downloads of packets like packets information, like how data packets stream, you know, through our, our smartphones. So they give it down quickly, and it usually comes in a packet, and they have to slow it down to write. But we've been working together for so many years now that they learned to do it this way because this is I'm like old school. But um, they, I've seen some people who use this board. I know quite a few, and they it moves like rapid fire for them as well. Uh, I spoke with a woman recently uh, who, uh, about automatic writing, and, and mm-hmm. uh, are they closely related? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the planchette uh, came from Paris, which means little table, and they use, that's where they got the idea to take a um, planchette it, that you use as an automatic writer, had an aperture to put a pencil in, and you put your hand on it and it writes on a paper. They took that, took the pencil out, and let it just point to the letters. So, yeah, they're very related. And, in fact, 
they found that automatic writing, it was sometimes so illegible that they thought this is a better way to actually point to the letters so you could be really straightforward in what letter you want and it wasn't you'd have to guess. But a lot of people who did automatic writing still do. I know people who do it to this day. Um, you start now are using keyboards. They used to use typewriters, and now a lot of them are using keyboards and getting their information that way. So the spirits move to their – well, it's like an energy that tells you on your fingers and points to the right keyboard to push on. Right. Same with the automatic writer. Yeah, uh, very wh- related. What, what do you make of the EVP phenomenon? Um, you know, I'm open to it. I haven't got involved in it that a lot, and I listen to, you know, the, the different spirit boxes, and I've heard the, the the words that come through, and I've done a session, as a matter of fact, with Rosemary Allen Guiley with, with the box during a session of using the board, mm-hmm. and we got some things that were very similar to what we were getting on the board. You know, it's just, um, it's another tool, and I think there's no difference between using a tool such as that and working with spirits than using a Ouija board. You're doing the same thing. You're right. contacting spirits. But people that might use the EVPs don't think that, and they think, they think the, the, you know, the Ouija board gets a bad rap all the time. Sure. Although I feel like any divination tool, you're working with, the, you know, another realm. You, well, you really should know what you're doing. I, yeah, I agree. And, and one other thing I think we can agree on is, is that I think that, that um, you know, world religions uh, – should should examine this a little more closely rather than just sort of uh, dismissing it or or issuing these decrees not to to, uh, to even think about it because as you say these things may offer uh, proof uh, of the uh, you know existence of of an afterlife and and that's what the religions are all talking about mm-hmm. uh, so they you know these these things may end up being allies uh, I agree with that Karen a delight uh, meeting you and speaking with you. Thank you, Richard. Delight meeting you, too, and thank you to your listening audience. Karen A. Dolman, The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. All right, my thanks to uh, Albert Vinzel, Sebastian, who's working a 19-hour shift today. Wow, you deserve a medal, Sebastian. Good job. And uh, all of you for listening at home, back next week with a brand-new program. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. And now to close the show with a few parting words, my little guy, North. Good night. That's it? That's all you have to say? Yeah. All right. Good night.